Welcome to another episode of the Music City Drive-In, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with the creators and the talent for the upcoming Apple original film, Come From Away. The film is a film version of the award-winning Broadway musical, which tells the story of 7,000 people stranded in a small town of Gander, Newfoundland. After all the flights in the U.S. are grounded on September 11, 2011. Folks, this inspirational, heartwarming story is beautiful, and I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking to the individuals about what inspired them to create this and what it was like playing some of these characters. The film comes to Apple TV Plus on September 10th. I hope you enjoy this interview. My first question is to Irene and David. Um, how was it trying to balance the laughter and the music with the tone of this story? We actually didn't know it was funny until we showed it to an audience about an hour outside of New York City and people around us were laughing and we were like, oh, it's not a comedy. This is meant to be respectful. So um, I think really we took the hint of, I took the, the direction of the people in the audience and of the actual people who were there in Gander on that day and were in New York on that day and and sort of let that be our guide and just use laughter as the bomb that the Newfoundlanders did when the when the people were stranded there over September 11th. I don't know if Chris wants to speak to that as well. Yeah, I would just say that the um, a lot of the comedy in the show, I think, comes from the interviews that David and Irene did with the actual people. Newfoundlanders are tremendously gifted storytellers. I don't know if it's the long winters or uh, something else, but uh, they're so funny and they're so, they'll take a, a story that has a serious intent and find just the right moment to introduce comedy or to undercut uh, any possibility of sentimentality. So they're really funny. And what they have to say <laughs> is, it just makes me laugh a lot. Um, so I think it's, uh, I think a lot of the comedy is, is, built in to the interviews that David and Irene did with the real people. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of, there's tears during the show, but we see the audience members crying because they're laughing so much and also crying because there's just, you know, tears of joy. We're so um, immune to terrible things we, that we see every day on the news and to actually see something so wonderful like this story, I think often brings people to tears and uh, something that was our experience of being out in, in Newfoundland. And so hopefully we could translate that to everyone else. Irene and David, to you guys again, um, what was it like the first time that you saw your your music, your your words come to life on on the stage? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's been it's been iterative. You, you know, we we initially workshopped it uh, in in Toronto and then it went through several festivals. But to to finally bring it to La Jolla for the first production. Uh, the world premiere uh, was extraordinary. We were very nervous about it, you know, even though we'd shown it to many audiences before, um, you know, uh, and but then seeing people lining up outside for hours the next day and uh, and then subsequently seeing it with uh, with the real people in the audiences uh, was magic. It's it's really amazing. And what what Chris has done, what our choreographer Kelly Kelly Devine has done what what our entire team our you know brilliant actors uh, bring to it. Um, it just it, you, there's something very meta about about having been out to Gander, 
meeting these real people, becoming friends and, you know, practically family with them at this point, and then having our go through a process of trying to tell their story as richly as possible and then watching it on stage. It's really wonderful. And then celebrating it with them, obviously. And then uh, the, the actual characters come back in and watch what you've done uh, and watching their faces while they're watching the show about them is amazing. We did a concert in Gander in the ice arena, which they turned into a, the world's largest refrigerator on the week of 9-11. Uh, and we were also anxious about whether the Newfoundlanders were going to think we um, did a good job with the dialect and were, um, you know, paying honor enough to, to, to who they are and what they did. And um, the, the room just kind of went crazy. And about five minutes from the end of the show, they just started to scream. And then there was a giant dance party all over the, the ice arena. So um, telling a true story back to the people who lived it um, is an amazing experience. And uh, I'll, I'll just say this, uh, you know, the 20th anniversary is coming up and we had a choice, you know, so many wonderful choices about where we could be uh, on uh, during that time. And uh, Irene and I are obviously going to be out in Gander reconnecting with those people. And there's going to be a special screening of this with all of our friends and, uh, and, and people out there who we originally met 10 years ago. And I, I think it's going to be another dance party. I would be crazy not to bring up the inclusion of My Heart Will Go On. There's several different instances of the use of it. And and I think there it's placed so well because it's like right after some serious moments. Take me behind the thought process behind using that. Was that part of it or was it just something you guys came up with it? Because I loved it. It was just, it was so funny and so unique. Hi, right. Irene, you want to do that one? So, uh, so it has it, it has a rich history in that it, you know there was actually distinct karaoke moments uh, uh, that we were told about in in Gander, and there there was a wonderful story in Gambo where a Beatles cover band got up and was singing all of these Beatles hits, and then they got the karaoke going as well. And we we did initially have an entire Beatles medley in the show, but uh, our producers wide, wisely told us that that would bankrupt everything. So that, so we had to lose that. Um, but we kept the karaoke. And what's wonderful about uh, the the Titanic moment is it's a little Canadian wink to Celine Dion. Uh, it has all of these wonderful, uh, wherever we are, we already had a, a song um, in the show called Wherever We Are. Uh, and it felt, it, it begins with um, uh, uh, near far wherever we are. Uh, and it's sung by this woman alone, feeling isolated on a plane. And then when it comes back, it the entire group joins in singing along. And I think that's the experience of karaoke to some degree, is you're all joining into it with your friends. And that's what we do with this story, is you begin a little hesitant, possibly. And by the end of it, you are all singing along and dancing along. And so that one moment encapsulates uh, the story that we're telling. Questions to Q Smith. Uh, you speaking upon your character there, you have this moment, it's the I'm here moment. It's a powerful and moving moment within the midst of all of this. Do you, can you relate a little bit more to that character at this specific uh, junction of the play because of being a parent? Now, yes, I always could relate to it. You know, we've all had, we've all experienced loss and we've all experienced heartache and heartbreak. Um, and we've all seen people go through it. So I was able to grasp from that before I had my son, but now that I have my son, I'm just sort of this mama bear, this like, oh. <laughs> and I, I, I did not have um, 
you know, during the pandemic, I was not warming up my voice. I was not taking care. I didn't have time to take care of my body. I, I didn't know what was going to come out of my body um, during the filming. But whatever came out, I knew I was like, this is, I am here. This is what it is. I cannot change anything about me at this moment. I am proud of the product that we all did. And I was sort of just satisfied in how we all showed up together, ready to work, willing to just sort of dig in there and me digging deeper as a mom, like put roots in the ground. Cause I feel like I was on the surface of it, but now that I was a mom innately, it just came out automatically. Whatever, whatever you saw in the, in the film just sort of came out um, just because of where I was at that moment, you know, in life. Um, but I definitely feel more grounded and rooted as Hannah um, after this whole pandemic and during the filming. You each play different characters throughout the entire play. And, you know, just for instance, like transitioning into the Spanish gym teacher, you know what I mean? That, that, that specific scene, uh, Paul, what is it, how do you remember to flip that switch? It, it, you know, you're on a stage, it's different from a movie. Movie, you're filming take after take after take. On that stage, there's no takes. It's go, you have to go. So right. what is it like and how do you flip that switch? Well, I, you know, I, I, I liken, I, I don't know if I've already mentioned this in here, but I, I, you know, we talk a lot about being shot out of a cannon when we, when we're doing this show, because it's go, it's, you know, this play starts and there is no, there is like, I get, two breaks off stage maybe the entire show and where I'm not like doing a costume change or grabbing a prop or you know um and it's you know I think part of it is it's a drill you know it's like you you drill something you drill something until it's just natural um but the uh like I can't I can't sit there like Joel was saying you can't stop and think too long about each thing yeah you know um it really is a testament to chris as a director that he's managed to create a, a a physical life in the show that uh contributes to that lends itself to your character shifts um you know it's just grab this chair grab this hat put it on and now you're this guy and uh and it's just as simple as that you know um there was a uh an actor named uh shirley knight who uh, gave us some really good advice to my class in college. And she talked about your percentages of focus as an actor, you know, part of your focus is on like your lines and walking to the right place on stage and doing your blocking. Part of your focus is on the character and what the character wants. And, and then part of your focus is on what is the audience doing? Am I registering? Am I going to fall off the stage? Like, and the percentages of your focus always have to be changing. You know, this moment takes for you to think so you don't fall off the stage here. You know, focus on doing this costume change or, and then this moment I have to say totally locked in with Joel and, and act the reality of the scene. Um, so it's like, I mean, really that's the only way I can talk about it, but it, there's no thinking in the moment. It's, it's just go. So, you guys all took a very long hiatus due to what happened, you know, with COVID and stuff like that. What was it like getting back in front of the stage for the first time? It was overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> kidding. 
I mean, to distill it down to its essence for, for me, it was, uh, it was life. It was oxygen. It was breath. It was electricity. It was community and connection. And I really missed these people. And I missed telling that story and having done it over a thousand times, you'd be like, really? But yes, I missed being Beulah. I missed being Dolores. I missed being on the plane and getting off the plane and, and riding that emotional roller coaster with an audience. Um, yeah. And, and getting to be part of that was uh, exhilarating. You know, it's so funny because around the world, it seems like there, there have been two different experiences in the pandemic. There are people who have worked more than ever um, and, and worked and worked and worked. And, you know, I think of school teachers, I think of people in the medical profession, but also like my sister's an attorney, you know, she, her work trans transferred right to her home. And then she was working at home constantly. And so there were a lot of people that were doing that. And then there were other people like us who had nothing, you know, the world just shut down and that was it. So it's been a lot of trying to come up with things to do so that you didn't feel like you were just, you know, sitting on your couch. It really was, it's incredibly jarring to go from, you know, eight shows a week to nothing for such a long period of time. So coming back to it, um, it just felt great, obviously on many, many levels and all of the sort of fancy levels, but at the base for me, just to have someplace to go, to have something to do, to know what my, to have something to put on my calendar was incredible. Um, and so, and it, it does make going back to work so sweet. Um, I'll never, I'll never complain about work. I swear. <laughs> and it was also like, it, like a, an amazing reminder that this type of work, this kind of like physical storytelling is all encompassing. I mean, my body had to really relearn how to do this again after not working for a year and a half. Um, but it was a beautiful journey we all took together to see each of us kind of like, all right, like helping push each other up the hill uh, to get to the filming. Um, it made me really proud. It made me really proud about what we do, you know, in New York every night. It takes a lot of talent, in my opinion, to change accents. Well, I can't even do any accents if we're being honest right now. I struggle with my own voice here, but, and make it seem easy. Is there a technique to slipping in and out of these accents the way you guys do? I think just practice. Don't you guys think? It's just yeah. it's just like anything. It's like when you're learning a tap dance or if you're learning a foreign language, it's just repetition. Yeah, I mean, we have an incredible team. We have yeah. a dialect coach that still gives us notes to the to this day. <laughs> yeah. Um for my yep. for one of my characters, I had two language specialists that come in. They really they want to make sure that the authenticity is there in every step of this production. So it is constant work because it kind of goes away a little bit. Um, and it's a constant reminder of how to get back to the truth and the realism of what we're doing. We just got our schedule for when we go back. I think is it day one or day two that we spend many hours of that day on dialect work? I think it's day two. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all been with the show for as long as we've been with it. But you know, you gotta get back in there. Yeah. And it's fun. It is fun. It's 
It's fun. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been listening to Jennifer Coolidge and I've been trying to work on my Jennifer Coolidge accent. So that's been fun. Like, but yes, <laughs> accents are, are, are joy. You know what I mean? Like the, it's, it's one of the reasons you become an actor is because you're a mimic. You know, you like to hear, you know, it's part of storytelling. It's like, oh, this person sounds like this. Like I, I love everybody's accents. Like Diane's is one of my favorites because it, it really, it's like a, you know, it's like that warm southern you know i just love the way everybody does their job in this this show it's very it's really fun to listen to that mosaic of voices yeah. accents i agree